everyone. Welcome to a new episode of Flourish with Rodiana. It's your host, Rodiana here. I have been looking forward to this episode for about a week now. And the reason for that is because I asked my best friend, Sonata Almira Kiani, to come on to the podcast and share her experiences with imposter syndrome, which is also known as imposter phenomenon. And we chat all about that. I explain what it exactly means, where it derived from, and Sonata shares her feelings of feeling like an imposter, like a fraud in the workplace, and how she is learning to overcome these feelings and to really hone in on her self-confidence. I also share some of my own personal experiences with these imposter feelings. It's an all-too-common feeling that a lot of us experience but not many of us talk about. So I hope that this episode sheds some light on this topic and makes you feel as though you're being heard and it makes you feel that you are a part of the conversation with us and as we're talking that you feel as though we're striking a chord within you and and you you just I kind of I really like the fact that some people listen and they're nodding their heads. They can relate to it and and it makes you feel less alone. And we also just discuss ways on how we are finding solutions to these to these feelings of feeling like we're fakes because we're not. All of us are are wonderful, hardworking people, and sometimes just having conversations takes a whole bunch of weight off our shoulders just by talking, just by being vocal about these feelings. We don't have to keep suffering in silence for for no reason. We're all in this together, and I love conversations for that for that matter because we just talk through it and you ultimately feel lighter so anyway i won't be uh, dragging this on too much but i hope you enjoyed this episode let me know what you think uh, on my instagram at flourish with Floriana. and without further ado please listen to my beautiful best friend's voice mrs kiani and uh, enjoy the episode thank you Hey everyone, welcome to a new episode of Flourish with Floriana. It's Floriana, obviously, and I'm with my best friend in the whole wide world, Sonata Kiani. So why don't you say hey? Hello. Uh, I'm super, super, uh, uh, well, I fucked it up. (laughs) (laughs) Should I say it again? Should I restart? Hi. Hi, everyone. I'm so honored to be on this podcast with my best friend, Flo. Or Floriana. And uh, I'm super excited to talk about some stuff today. Yeah, I'm super excited too. And for those listening, Sen has been my best friend since, I guess, grade when I was in grade three, but you were in grade four. Yeah. Uh, I don't know how many years it's been. I'm just going to round it up to 20. <laughs> um, um, at least 15 plus. I think closer to 20 for sure. We know most of the other person's life, if that makes sense. It's, it's crazy to think about, to be honest. I know. And you know, sometimes what I actually think about quite often is when you told me that story before we even became friends, you, I don't know if you remember this, but you told me that. Oh, I do. It was a book. Me. Oh, a book. Was the book, the, so the book character, one of them was Floriana? Yeah, the main character. I remember I even, I think I gave you this book after. Really? No way. 
I feel like I found it. Yeah. And I remember like we showed your dad and he was like interested. What? Okay. I have no recollection of that. I just remember you. Wow. Maybe you, okay. Maybe you did. I don't remember that. I remember you telling me this though. And I was stunned. I was like, wow. But anyway, uh, I'm so happy that you're on this podcast. How about you just explain who you are and what you do to give, I guess, whoever's listening some context Um, because then it'll make sense when we actually start talking about our topic. Sure thing. Um, So I went to university for business economics and finance. Um, It was particularly different or difficult, I should say, for me because um, I did not have a good relationship with math. And so the reason why I didn't have a good relationship with math and I never, you know, tried to even improve it was because I always thought I won't need math in university I'll just go finish psych I don't know get a law degree or something like that and I'll be done with it um life doesn't always work out that way so I switched to business econ and finance which was like the most math intense program and I just had to bust my butt and so I finished in 2019 and during university and immediately after university, I was doing some part-time retail work. Uh, so I never had like an actual like office job um, until summer 2020 when I got uh, a job in a financial technology uh, company. And so that was my first real office job, my first real experience. Um, it was it was definitely very different to what I was used to. Uh, obviously, working in retail is is completely different from what I'm doing right now. Uh, so that's a bit of my my educational slash career background. Um, and yeah, beautiful. Thanks for sharing. I, it's funny because it's like me on the other end pretending like I don't know all of this. <laughs> it's like oh yes yes. Um, no, it's. I think your yeah your pathway is so cool and so different because I remember you being into law for a moment and then it just just flipping and you going into a completely different area and now seeing where you're at today just being so successful in what you do it's it's just so interesting because when you're in university you think you think what you're what you start in is your end all be all but I I don't know if well you did do this but I did this too where I switched my major I think three times before I settled on the one and it took me an one additional year to graduate so it took me five years in total because I kept switching same same um but I don't know I think it's I think times are changing now I even a lot of people straight out of high school aren't going directly into post-grad a lot more getting work experience and working their way up in that way I think each path you take is 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 just unique to each individual but I think it's super cool to see um I don't know just everyone's different version and path to their own success it's super cool 100% and and it's exactly what you said like uh, I got into school psych I switched I did some work in dental clinics thinking I wanted to be a dentist. I interned in law offices thinking I wanted to be a lawyer. Oh, yeah. I 
and then I, I ended up graduating and um, doing a product management course and that kind of struck the chord and, and that's where I'm at right now. But so many people at my at my office, they like they either didn't do postgrad or they just did um, certificates or they're straight out of high school. There's just so many different pathways. For sure. And in, especially now and in today you have free courses you can take or just courses online you pay for but everything is you can teach yourself and that's it's it's amazing and I really admire people who 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 don't only do the traditional way and I say that because it was not that I would go back and change anything I I love my pathway but to think that it's the only way is something that I think in our generation especially as parents we won't I would assume maybe not everybody, but I, I personally, I just don't want to push it down my, my kids' throats because while I think it's super important, I also think it can be kind of dangerous to just force them into something because a lot of the people I knew in high school, I caught up with a few of them post-university and they graduated in their degree. So let's say, for example, one person graduated in engineering. She hates it to the core and she mm. she is not working in that field like after graduation getting that degree she's like I'm not working in this and this isn't that interesting yeah it's actually it, it makes me sad to be honest like I had the same I wouldn't even necessarily call it pressure it's not like my family you know pressured me to go but it was just like the logical next step right you know you finish high school you go to university there is no like question even and I just remember thinking, like, I'm wasting so much money, so much time because I don't want to do any of this. And these days, like, a lot of professions aren't even taught in postgrad, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, you can learn, like, preliminary things uh, or prerequisites, I guess, t- to get there. But that doesn't always mean that's what you should do. You know, there are so many different ways to go. You, you can have experience. You can get certificates. There's countless I mean my husband is you know doing his chemistry master's and at the same time finishing a coding uh, certificate fully just coding wow. and, and that's what he realized he loves to do oh my gosh really yeah oh wow that's so interesting he loves coding I had no idea yeah wow well, we're slowly learning about it <laughs> <laughs> no it's that's so cool I was I was going to kind of tie into the the main topic that we're going to talk about, which is imposter syndrome, which is also known as imposter phenomenon. I don't know if you know this, but it's so cool. It was initially known, or sorry, the term was initially coined imposter phenomenon in 1978. And I thought that was so interesting. Imposter syndrome came, uh, you know, later, but both of the terms are interchangeable. But anyway, I think it's important to talk about because I definitely felt it post-university, entering my first full-time workplace job, because I think a lot of people can relate. Before we jump into our experiences, though, maybe I should explain what it means for those who don't know, even though I think the majority of people know, but let's just clear it out. So essentially, and I got this mini definition from this article called contextualizing the imposter syndrome from the frontiers and psychology journal but anyway I I just don't want to make it seem like these are my words (laughs) Um, 
so <laughs> I don't want anyone to come after me. Um, so the imposter syndrome, it refers to the notion that some individuals feel as if they ended up in esteemed roles and positions, not because of their competencies, but because of some oversight or stroke of luck. Such individuals therefore feel like frauds or imposters. And typically it's actually people who are hard workers and high achievers, perfectionists that feel this way. So anyway, let's get into the deets. But Ooh. did you, I know the answer, but did you feel this way <laughs> when you finished school and entered the that very first big company and role that you landed? Like, how did you feel? Ooh, um, yeah, you know, at some points it was definitely crippling. Um, I, I got into the company and initially I didn't because it was a customer support position and I felt really confident in like, in my abilities, you know, I've been doing this for years. It's just a different type of customer servicing. Uh, but shortly after, um, because while I was, you know, doing my main job of customer servicing customers, um, I also did a lot of smaller side projects for my main goal, which was to, you know, be in the product team um and so soon after i switched to the product team about six months later and all of a sudden i was just involved in these conversations and decisions and not even like small oh where should this button go decision but like literally what are we going to do with this product or how are we going to launch this product type decisions and i was like who am i to know like who am I for you to be asking me this question? You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. and I was just constantly out at some points truly was crippling because I just felt like, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't even deserve to, you know, give this answer because I'm nobody here. You know, like I, I just, I felt like I, I felt like I just lied about all of my skills and all the like, projects that I did that I did to get there I, I felt like I just materialized everything even though that's not true I put a lot of work in it I put a lot of effort in it I studied a lot I read a lot I did a lot of after hours work I put in a lot of work to get there mm -hmm. and but my brain just kept telling me like no you don't know what this is you know you don't know what you're talking about you don't know how to launch a product you don't know how to talk to a developer like it was just feeding me all this terrible, terrible, all these terrible thoughts. And my manager, he, he, he would notice because I would on our one-on-one -on -one share my, um, my honest opinion with him. And he would be, I guess, impressed with, with what I was thinking or how I, how I was thinking about a certain situation, but I wouldn't, you know, share it in that specific moment. Cause I always felt like I didn't have the right to share it. And he was, and he kept encouraging me and being like, you know, you have a bigger voice here and your opinion matters more than you know. Like you have a place at this table, like you need to be more loud about it. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it was, it was a lot of me pushing myself and just silencing that terrible voice in my head and being like, no, I'm gonna speak my opinion. Why do you think you felt that way though I know you I know it wasn't true because you you were just thinking these thoughts that you were a fraud and whatever but why where do you think it 
stemmed from? Did you feel underneath it all that you just weren't good enough? Or I don't know if you ever unpacked that and, and looked through, looked at the root of it, but I'm just curious to to know. I think some parts of it is that, you know, I grew up in like, I don't know, in, in like a Turkish household, you know, when your parents say something, you don't really question it, right? You know, dad said this, the end, mom said this, the end. You don't really question, like, why did they say that? Right. Or is is it right what they said, right? Mm-hmm. And whereas this culture that I come into at work, you have to question it. Like, you have to share your opinion. If anything, you, your superiors want to be challenged. That's, like, how you distinguish yourself. And that was just so wrong to me because for the longest time I would say like, oh, my boss said, you know, X, therefore it's X. I didn't even ask why it's X. Right. And, and so that was a huge part of it. I had to unlearn basically what I learned growing up is to never second guess anyone above you. And, and that was a huge part of it. And then the second part of it was my constant, constant thought was, Last year, today, I was selling t-shirts and today someone's asking me, you know, the plan to launch or, you know, how are we going to, you know, frame this feature? How are we going to, you know, get this to our customers? Like those types of questions where I'm like, oof, how how am I in this position to answer this? Like last year I was wearing a t-shirt. The year before that, I was barely passing a class. (laughs) I don't know, right? Like, I really don't know. But I mean, I don't think anybody has all of the answers in these workplaces, even those that we look up to, even those in higher power, higher authority, higher roles. I think we have this misconception that because they're older and because they've had all all of these years of experience at the company that they know better. And that's just not the case. I'm not saying they don't know anything whatsoever. Of course they do. And I think it's important to learn from them but also if you feel as if maybe what they said was was is is not a a great suggestion to whatever your maybe it's a product or I don't know in my case when we're working on the I don't know the analytics of this event that we're trying to plan um it's they you just have to remember like that that's a person as well and all because they're in their late 30s 40s 50s doesn't mean that they no more do you know what I'm trying to say I mean yeah of course they might be knowledgeable in certain areas but so are you and I like to think of it in a way where you bring this fresh new set of eyes to the company and to the role and to think you know in your case to think you're finally tapping into your full potential and what you've always wanted to be doing mm-hmm. and 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 you've always been a leader and now people are recognizing that so it's like I see the opposite of what you're seeing because I'm like well she was always meant to be doing this whereas you see I'm a fraud so it's crazy yeah yeah that yeah I mean <laughs> <laughs> I have nothing to say because you hit it on the head it's like it and and the more I researched into it the more I, I saw like all these CEOs have coaches all of them have like therapists and the most successful ones are the ones that you know need somebody to talk to and have somebody to talk to and and even companies like that's why you get backed up by investors is to you know be able to go to someone when you need 
advice because you yourself don't know everything just as you said and so it's crazy when we look at those people and we're like oh you all you know like everything and you know they must just have all the answers because they got here but really they don't and so it's it's the same way it's like you see me as you know the person who's reaching their potential etc but i'm just seeing you know this fraud and it might be the same with the ceos where we see them as these like successful you know they know their shit they're just like they talk you know they articulate themselves so well and they're selling themselves so well but then really they have those same insecurities and they have this the same like they talk to people about the same things right 100% and and the more i was also looking into this topic i just realized that pretty much every i don't want to say every successful person but majority of successful people feel that way and there was this quote that supposedly that Albert Einstein said shortly before he passed away um, and he said I feel compelled to think of myself as an involuntary swindler and it's like the way we all think of him as like a genius and, and yeah. same with there was uh, that one there was a one interview you know you know Viola Davis that actress from yes get away with murder yeah yeah so love her obviously she's so great she's so talented and I came across this interview two days ago and he's talking to her about her roles and how you know asking her about like what she thinks of her performances and she's just sitting there and saying that she doesn't think that she does uh, a, a good enough job like oh I, my god and I was like how can you say this Viola like do you not know what we see and it's it's just I don't know it's so insane to me and that's why when I hear that and see that it, it just makes me realize that whatever I'm thinking in my head is completely fabricated like it's false about myself like any doubts I have of myself I'm like okay clearly these are not my own thoughts because there's no way we would have made it to where we are today if we weren't competent if we weren't you know really great in our I don't know in our abilities and our soft skills all of these things so we can't just diminish ourselves just because like especially when there's proof in the pudding like we're being told we're doing a great job we're clearly not getting fired so it's like that's a good sign a hundred percent um but I, I I I felt that same way when I entered my first full-time tech role as well I guess March of 2020 yeah it was 2020 yeah March 2020 and I remember just feeling as if I didn't belong even after all of the interview process like why is the interview process nowadays 13 steps um it's it's really that culture (laughs) yeah it's it's so much but anyway I remember getting there and ultimately feeling like they made a mistake there's no way that you know somebody maybe they were trying to hire a frank and then they ended up calling a floriana and like it was <laughs> it was mixed up in the cards but it was yeah i just felt the same way you were describing where there are people on my team who had far more work experience because they were in their late 30s to 40s they were native french speakers because we were hired for a french role so here i'm coming in you know struggling with my like Canadian French and every time we're in a meeting they're like why don't you speak Claudiana I'm like oh I gotta go (laughs) I was I was so embarrassed even though I 
spoke French in the interview. Clearly, the managers liked it. So it's just funny because you get there and then you are doubting yourself. And then it one of two things can happen, which is interesting. This is the one that I do and I, you do as well, where you overwork and you're overcompensating because you think mm-hmm. I have to constantly prove myself. There's another end of it, which I didn't even realize. I was just reading it on some website. I think it was like the American Psychological Association, but for some other people, it actually makes them procrastinate it because they're like, you know what, this the, this bar that I've set for myself is way too high. I'm not even going to try to attempt it. Is that so mm-hmm. cool? Yeah, I mean, the thing is, like, in terms of my schooling, I could definitely identify with the procrastination side, but in my work life, definitely with the overworking. Yeah. 100%. Same. Yeah. With school, I was like, um, just the bar's to... too high. Yeah. The bar is too high. I'm like, I'm just trying to pass. But um, it's, it's interesting. So how I was saying in the beginning with the, the initial imposter phenomenon being coined in 1978, the reason or how it was coined, which is so cool, is actually by two women. So Ooh. one is, well, they're both psychologists. So one is, I have their names here, so I don't butcher them. But one is Dr. Pauline Clance, and then the other one, I hope I don't mispronounce her last name, but it says Dr. Suzanne Imez, and they only did the study on high-achieving women, and there were about 50 who came from different professional fields, different um, school programs, and they had really high academic performance, and some were doing their PhDs. All of them attributed their successes to temporary causes. Like they would say, oh, this was luck oh this was misgrading by my professor every single one of them they just found every excuse in the book that's just that's so that makes me so sad I know it's it's I don't and and a lot of people uh, I'm not too sure if people talk about this even in the workplace but I mean at least we talk about it because we're best friends but a lot of people don't talk about it because it's as if they're afraid that if they do, they're going to be found out. Like the other person's going to be like, yep, I knew it. I knew you were a fraud. Yeah. And that's exactly true. And I had so many crying sessions with my coworkers where I was like, honestly, maybe opening up too much for a workplace. And I was like, I'm having these thoughts and feelings about my imposter syndrome. And at that time, I didn't even necessarily know it was a name. It had a name. I just thought, you know, like, I I feel like I'm a fake. I feel like I'm lying. And I feel like somebody's just going to wake up one day and see right through me and just throw me back down. Mm -hmm. And a couple months later, I just started hearing it so much everywhere, like social media, workplaces, everywhere where people were just saying that they have imposter syndrome. And I read into it and and I was like, this is so common, but yet not talked about at all. You don't hear it. Well, I didn't hear it anywhere. I didn't hear it in school. I didn't hear it before this job. I didn't hear it at all. Mm -hmm. And, and it's, it's just crazy that, you know, even, I don't know, like when you get a job or something, people will say, oh, how did you get so lucky? Right? Yeah. I don't like that. Yeah. Or like, you'll, you'll get a promotion. Oh, you know that's you're so lucky like how did you you know by working really hard (laughs) yeah literally by working I know everybody they just they just hear you know you're 
your answer to their question. So they, they say, you know, what are you doing now? You say your title. Oh my God, you're amazing. You're so lucky. Like, how did you, yeah, they just, they just hear a very brief answer of yours. And I don't like when they attribute it to luck because it's, it, it's, it's not, it's really not. And especially it, during these times when the requirements to apply to a job now, they're crazy. Like when you're out of school, they ask for three to five years of experience um, and just a whole bunch of other things. And like I mentioned earlier, just the interview process alone is as if you're doing, you know, I don't know, some high standardized, ex standardized exam. So it's, it's not luck. And sometimes, well, a lot of the times that has actually made me not want to share my successes and my title and what I do and the roles I have, because I'm just afraid that someone is going to not take it away from you yeah take it away from me and also just be like oh well you, that's easy for you you didn't have to do oh you know this yes. and this and this like I did I had to I don't know like it, it kind of it, for some in some situations it, it becomes like a guilt trip you know like oh you're, you're just a lucky one a hundred percent a hundred percent but um sorry what are you saying for me <laughs> no go ahead <laughs> no I was just gonna say Oh no! Don't let the don't let the story slip away. It was about to slip away in my mind. Oh, I think it's gone. Oh. I think it's 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 a little. I can actually feel it fluttering away. Like it's gone. <laughs> Sorry, cousin. Oh no no! I remember. I remember. I remember. Okay, so I remember in my very first interview for a role related to health. So this was after the tech company, which was technically my first full time work. Um, role but anyway my my health one that I did for the hospital here in the city I'm, I'm not from but I moved to I will never forget the question they asked me and essentially I applied to the role without having experience within the role but I was like I don't care I'm just gonna sell myself that's also what mm -hmm. a lot of in interviews are too just like sell yourself um, but anyway I remember the woman asking me okay so to give you some context, we had the interview and I'm telling her, I have no experience in all of whatever you're asking me. Like, I don't know anything. I don't know. And to give you some context, she was asking me how to conduct a research clinic visit when a patient comes. I was like, listen, lady, I just came out of, out of school. I have tech, like, I did some tech. I speak some French. You put, put me in the workplace. <laughs> I'll figure it out. I'll navigate my way. Just trust me. And her knowing this, she was like, well, a lot of our staff, they predominantly just come from the London area, typically from Western, typically med students. I was like, well, I'm here today and I'm speaking. And then the, the higher up comes this one physician and, and he comes in and he sits in on the interview and the girl, she goes, Floriana, why don't you explain to Dr. Blank how you walk a patient through a research study? Oh God. And I was like, I was dumbfounded and betrayed because I just told her I didn't know anything, right? And wow. I was like, you know what? This isn't the end of the road. And my, my, I'm trying to say this story because a lot of, again, people say it's luck. And they, this, isn't, this is not luck. And anyway, so I remember being in that moment. I'm like, I'm not, I, there's no way I can fake a response. Like, I can't, you know how sometimes in interviews where they say, discuss a time when you exhibited a great collaboration that's easy like I could just I could just make something up for this 
oh, it, it's like somebody asking me how to launch a product in your case. No idea. So I remember just <laughs> looking at them. I'm like, um, I'm so sorry, but I cannot answer that question. I don't have any background in this, but I can work really hard. I can learn it. Like I just basically said this entire spiel on how I can make it, how I can learn basically. And anyway, long story short, I ended up getting it. And for a while being in that role, hearing other people congratulate me, they're like, you're so lucky, you're so lucky. And I was, I never said this to them, but I was like, I'm not lucky. I really sold myself. And a year prior to that, I was reaching out to, when I say over a hundred people, that's what I was doing. But I'm not going to say that in just a a simple conversation with someone because I don't want to seem like I'm trying to do the most or, or prove or prove something to them. But people need to just not assume that it's been an easy road for us. Like it's, it's, it's just, it really takes away from all of your hard work. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And even like I notice, even, in, you know, when you're having these, I don't want to say imposter syndrome is like a constant feeling. I don't, at least in my case, it isn't. It flares up in certain situations, in certain, when I'm asked certain questions, if I'm talking to certain people, I think it flares up. And, and the thing is, sometimes you can even diminish like when when somebody's complimenting you or telling you you've been doing a good job it's really easy for your brain to diminish that as well and say you know you can tell yourself oh they don't know you know that you're just faking it you're just faking it till you make it type of thing Mm -hmm. um and that's just so false too because if you really step away and you know at least what i did for a while um, is when when these feelings and thoughts were getting really crippling, um, I would just write them down. I would just write down everything that my brain was telling me, and I would read it out. And some of it was so shocking. Like I wouldn't say this to my worst enemy, but I'm saying it to myself as I'm working. Wow. And I would be so drained at the end of the day, and not because of my tasks, not because of my meetings, but because I'm constantly just pounding down hard on myself rereading posts like a hundred times before I post them, reading it again after I posted them, finding something small, making it a big deal, you know, thinking about a decision where I made a decision, but somebody from higher up uh, disagreed with my decision and said something else. And then I'm like, oh, you idiot, there you go. Like, why would you say that when this other person thought something else, you know? And, And so I would just write them down and just read them. And I would be so shocked as as to how like I'm talking to myself and I would just start reframing them you know I would just start changing the way that I'm speaking to myself in these situations and and if there's anything to take away from this call it's really to just push yourself to continue to share your opinions in my opinion like this is what helped me uh when I switched to product my first project was um to share my ideas every day just as much as possible because my manager knew how much I was struggling with this and and be, and it held me back so much from sharing my opinions which he liked he liked my opinions uh that was the whole reason why I got promoted mm-hmm. and so sharing those all day every day and some of them wouldn't get any responses any likes some of them would get a, a bunch of comments and of course I'd be beating myself up like oh you know you didn't write something interesting nobody commented 
or something ridiculous like that. And, and I just kept forcing myself and forcing myself. And every morning I would just make it a point. I'm going to share, you know, two things on Slack today. I'm going to share two articles. I'm going to give two opinions. And, and I just forced myself to the point where now I am just like throwing unsolicited <laughs> advice everywhere. Like somebody will, will tag another coworker and I'll be like, I'll jump in and be like, oh, well, my opinion, no, this is not a good idea or whatever, right? Like you just have to force yourself. And when you're beating yourself up, write it down. And also support system is really important. You need that person to tell you you're being ridiculous. Do you mean a support system within the workplace or your in your personal life? Honestly, I created two. I kind of lucked out um, in that sense. Not everybody has a great culture where you can kind of make a friend at work and help each other. So that's not necessarily the one that I'm recommending because, as I said, not everyone gets that. Um, but my husband was a lifesaver. Uh, like sometimes I would make him listen to a meeting that I'm in. And then at the end of the meeting, I would say, did I say anything stupid? Like, please tell me. And I would force him to sit there and recount the whole meeting with me just to reassure me that I didn't say anything stupid or um, read my posts before I post them or read threads when I think I've said something dumb or like there were so many times where, you know, so many eye rolls I got so many, you're being ridiculous. You're mm -hmm. everybody's telling you you're killing it. Stop thinking like this type thoughts. Like he just really brought me back down from my, terrible thoughts and and freak outs that's so great i mean that's that's great in terms of he did that but i was also when you're saying this it makes me so sad that you it was so severe to the point where it just sounds debilitating and it's i mean i don't know if whoever is listening i'm sure a lot i know a lot of people go through it where you just constantly doubt yourself but apart from writing it down and having a good support system how do you I know you you said you share your opinions now but I'm curious to know what you do when or how you react when you make a mistake and when someone calls you out on on an idea that you suggest and they don't like it so the opposite of of praise how do you deal with that to be honest, um, I got I I learned a lot about myself last year um, because I had to push myself in ways that I've never been pushed before. I've been accountable for things that I've never been accountable for before, and it was just a lot of learning, a lot of self discovery, and I just started feeling love for myself I don't I feel like there's a couple layers here like I just feel so confident in who I am I I think that you know I definitely do put a lot of thought into projects or discussions and I do stand by my opinion and it's totally fine for somebody to have a different opinion than you you know sometimes they have more context than you so they make the best decision or opinion that they can with the context that they have. And you should never, ever forget that you also have a different kind of context. Um, just because somebody more higher up has a different opinion doesn't mean it completely negates your opinion. You just came in with your own context. And maybe that was incomplete. Or maybe in, in some cases, you do sometimes have more context and, and uh, 
an opinion that's not necessarily bad. It's just that sometimes it needs to be discussed. And this is super normal. Like, you're not perfect. And recently I was listening to to this thing where, um, I guess it's a semi-podcast, but not really. It was a video where it was talking about, like, mantras. And it was saying this mantra that I really, really liked where it says, like, permission to not be perfect. Mm. And that, it's such a small sentence. But it hit me hard because, like, it's true. I feel like a lot of this uh, imposter syndrome, at least for me, comes from the need to be perfect in every conversation, in every aspect of my life. And when you, like, understand that you're not perfect, you should not be perfect, and you never will be perfect, it's okay when you have these disagreements or have imperfections at work or you know, maybe you don't do a task the way that your manager wanted you to do it. Like, these are all completely normal things. You are not perfect. As long as you're open for feedback, as long as you're open for growth, those are the only two things. Don't ever let those that feedback cripple you because the person giving it to you is giving it to you for your own good and because they care about you. It would mm-hmm. be so much easier for you to just, you know, get let go or of just continue in that same position with no growth right but the people around you especially at work they want you to grow they want you to get through that trajectory they want that next step for you so when you are going through these disagreements it's just so normal and just accept that you're not perfect and you don't have to be and you shouldn't be yeah and nobody learns well nobody's perfect first and foremost like you just said but there's beauty in mistakes that's the only way we learn nobody learns from their happiest moments like everybody learns in times of distress in times of you know even of pressure or even of negative feedback that's when you're tested that's when you you know your stomach turns a certain way and you have the choice to either let it make or break your day I think that there's such beauty in in having somebody disagree with you or even having sometimes a coworker who is not happy with you because I think for a lot of people this conversation applies to a work culture where your growth is being fostered and it's definitely on you know the company's you know it's their goal to have you succeed they want you to and they try to help you grow I know that there are some certain people in different work cultures where it is negative and it is toxic and it's it's more of demands and it's 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 like a, a never-ending negativity cycle so for those people I think that's a different conversation and they have to reevaluate their their jobs because I was definitely in a role like that where I was not being pushed to be my best nobody cared and you you can feel that you know that when you're in a certain role and so mm-hmm. I made the decision to leave but in in these work cultures where the the people around you the people that you work with want you to do well I think it's important to not back down even when you made it make a mistake because whenever I, I would in the past I would feel like I had to shrink myself so I would say oh my god I'm so sorry so sorry I won't do that again I'll fix it right away like just over typing the exclamation point mm-hmm. saying the sorry too much um being super fidgety in the office like yeah. just and I'm, I'm like, why do I have to act this way? So I started to stop and um, 
right now we're working from home, but I, I remember I, I made this mistake. Could I call it a mistake? Whatever. I guess we'll call it, call it a mistake, but I essentially built this, um, event page, whatever, but it was using the wrong account, long story short. And I didn't use like the company one. Nobody told me there was like a company event space to, to put it on. And, and typically knowing my old self, I would have been like, Oh, I'm so sorry. I know I, I didn't mean to do that, but I'm like, okay, I had no idea. What's the link? Like, let me, like, I'll, it's, we don't have to make it seem like the smallest thing is the end of the world. It's yeah. not. And if I make a mistake, I'll apologize. We move on. But I'm also going to stand up for myself. And the reason why is because nobody else is going to do it for me. A hundred percent. So yes, companies and our colleagues, they do have a best interest to a certain extent, but also they, they, they're still running their company and there's their best interest is in that company. So they kind of sometimes don't care about how your feelings, if they're how how you're feeling sometimes. And, and, and I think a lot of people can relate because there are those workplaces where it's like, yeah, most part it's good, but there's also moments where it's cutthroat and nobody is patting you on the back and asking you if you're okay. It's like, did you get the job done? Great. You know, for very sure. much like that sometimes so um I think you just have to build a, a strong backbone and just know that you're worthy to be there and ha- when you ask yourself well how, how how do I know that well you're still there like you're if, if you were at any point not worthy to be there they, they you would have somebody would have a conversation with you they would come to you and say mm, listen listen Sonata we don't mm, we think we think uh this relationship or your work or job performance isn't doing too well you know like there would be a conversation of that so it's For sure. I don't know I've, I've made it such a huge point especially since going through a, a, a period of being in a bad job last year where I told myself I am never going to more or over apologize or do the most for a company it for, for what like For sure. that, I don't know. And that's what really started the, 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 well, I guess the, the main way I kind of segued to this podcast was because I needed a place to, to not make my life work. And it's like, sometimes I'll, I'll listen to certain podcasts and they, and they talk about work and I love, I, I, you know, I, I, of course love being ambitious and achieving things, but with that, that's not all that we are. And if you think about it, I mean, yes, we all have jobs and we need to make money, but also it's like, take a step back because this is, it's not your whole life. And I know we had this conversation just, you know, recently, but it's once I, once I just strip myself away of like my titles and what I've achieved, I'm like, do I like myself just as I am? If I didn't do any of these things, if I was just me. Like just, just me, just like straight fresh out of the womb. Like, like think about that little girl who didn't achieve anything. I was so happy and I didn't do much. I was just enjoying life and being with my friends and being outside. And it's like, when did that change as I got older? How come now when I'm in a conversation with somebody, the first thing they ask me is, what do you do? And ultimately you're straight off the bat judged, whether in, whether to your face or not to your face, somebody's already categorized you just based on what you do but it's like I'm just tired of that I don't I don't care about 
job titles anymore. I just care if you like to do what you like to do. And also if you have some hobbies, like let's not, let's not make our work our main, our main topic of conversation. Like what inspires you? What sets your soul on fire outside of work? Because I think it's unrealistic to say that your nine to five is going to do that. It will to a certain extent, right? Like maybe it'll fulfill a certain part of you that you enjoy. So for you, it's the product. For me, I love to plan events. I also love science. I love research. That part of me is fulfilled, but that's not all of me. So it's it's just important to just remember that you're you're not only your job title, just as you're not only a wife and you're not only a sister. Like who are you to you? And that role is is the most important one to fulfill and it's the last one that we actually that we that we do we, we never ask ourselves that so you know I think that's where I'm at where that's what I'm trying to figure out who am I who who am I without all my titles what what does that mean I don't even know I well I, I saw something one time where it was somebody was trying to guide others to to determine that very question like who am I? What do I, what do I want to do? What do I like to do? And one of the questions was, well, what did you like to do when you were a kid? And for some that's painting for some that's, I don't know, coloring it's whatever, or making things or it's just different for everybody. What did you like doing as a kid? And I can name a few things I love to do. And whenever I do them, I feel amazing. Like, let me just kind of bring it back full circle but when I was a kid I would do exactly what I'm doing right now but without the social media without the this this recording of anything without an iPad without a phone without sharing it it was just me my pink little laptop and a random pink camera and I would just record myself and with whoever was around typically friends that would come over and we would pretend that we were hosts of like shows like talk shows and then pretend that you're an artist coming on to sing and I would do that and then I would watch them over and love and love it and then now I'm thinking and I'm like wow it's just I'm doing a kind of mimicking a childhood activity that I love but clearly I enjoy I believe I'm good at it because I'm doing it from my heart so it's just like ask yourself what you love to do and it doesn't have to be one thing it's just you know write it out and then maybe each day after work try try one of them, right? And then see what sticks or see what gets you in that state of flow where every where time stops, you know? A hundred percent, yeah. And, and there are so many facets of yourself that you need to discover anyway. It's not just who you are at home or who you are at work and who you are with your friends or who you are on an advent, adventure, you know? You need to figure out who you are when there's nothing around you, there's nothing to do and like, what do you want to do? And, and what does that mean? How do you feel while you're doing it, right? Like, I, I don't think I have the answers at all, but it's definitely something that I want to figure out about myself as well. Yeah. But well, for I mean, now, it's... I'm sorry. No, no, you go on. <laughs> I was just going to say, for now, I'm, I'm trying to remind myself that my mistakes, that I should not be sad about mistakes. And that I am not perfect and that is okay yeah 100% yeah don't there's no reason to be sad about mistakes and also with that I also I've you're you were mentioning mantras and I I, I saw one that I really loved and it was I 
I let go of what I cannot control. Um, and there's just, oh, I, I, like I can't control. Yeah, I can't, you can't control anything in life, like really anything. Even if you do your very, very best, you think you did your best, things won't go your way. So it's like, who are you when things don't go your way? That's the real you. Anybody but can also, do Sorry? Why do we take that personally, you know? Like, why do we mm-hmm. take it personally when something doesn't go our way or some or we make a mistake, right? Like, as you said, you said, like, multiple exclamation points, sorry, a hundred times fidgeting. Like, why? Why do we take it so personally when something just doesn't go the right way? You I, you made the best decision with as much context as you had. Like, you you did the best that you could with the information that you had, so why you know like that's that's what we shouldn't be doing and so that's why I really like that mantra it's like let it go it happened but let it go yeah just it brings you a lot more peace when you just let it go and like you said we we personalize everything and when I was doing some reading on this imposter syndrome it it a lot of it has to do with your family history just like everything the way that you are the way you argue the way you breathe drink water it all has to do with how you were raised truly to the core it's just the more I'm getting older the more it's like just analyzing what happened to me as a kid but uh, reading something and it said many people who feel like imposters grew up in families that placed a big emphasis on achievement and tip um, particularly it was parents who who sent mixed messages so they would alternate between overpraising you, then criticizing you. And that increase well, it was um, shown here that it can increase the risk of future fraudulent feelings. And the person who said this was one of the psychologists that I said, Dr. Suzanne Imez. And she was saying that if that's what they um, that's what they found in terms of family history. And when I read that, I was like, oh my gosh, that's my whole life. Like <laughs> just being put on a pedestal in one moment and then also being told like what is wrong with you you don't know anything and it's you know it's I think maybe part of that is because sometimes our parents were didn't really know how to channel their anger so they just kind of screamed it through the rooftops but now when I think about me fidgeting or thinking back to me getting so nervous and oh why why don't why didn't you know the 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 group in the slack channel why did anybody give me a thumbs up or why didn't anybody like my idea or even with this podcast well you know sometimes in those moments of self-doubt it's like oh man I really put my heart and soul in that episode why didn't it do so well and then I read this and I was like you know what I think it's just this we were just in these environments of chaos and it's we we kind of had to I don't know we just personalized everything I don't know we and we something that I do is like I I try to keep the calm because the calm wasn't there and and so I would I would just try to I'd be overly sensitive to somebody's emotions so if I saw my dad really angry I would just shut my mouth walk on eggshells and then now you that's something that I'm trying to unlearn at work or wherever in my personal life okay I don't have to just be so sensitive to you know, somebody else or read so much into what my boss says or whoever, or my, you know, my in-laws, even though they're not even, they won't even harm a fly, but then they take one little sentence. You're like, oh my God, is everything okay? You know, it's just like, I think it just stems from a little bit of that 
chaotic yeah. upbringing. Uh, that's that could be one way, but I'm I can relate. So, <laughs> <laughs> also too, by the way, when you when you're talking about you putting your ideas in your work group, or let's just say outside of work too, you find something you love to do, you put it out into the universe, whether that's social media, whether that's a blog, a video, I don't know. This is a reminder to myself though too. It's like when you're doing it from a genuine place. So you at work, you have a a good idea, you believe in it, you share it. Whether that gets zero likes or whether that gets from your 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 higher ups, it shouldn't matter because you believed in it. Like you put thought into it, you took time to plan it out. You you it's your idea. And you like I was just saying earlier, like you have to back you up. So when you put you as the, like a priority, and I don't try to, I'm not trying to say this in this, you know, selfish way, but nobody else matters in the sense of even if, like you shouldn't let that stir you or rock you. Because I remember one episode I was, I, I put out and I was, I was just so vulnerable. And um, I remember I was like looking at the plays and it's not something I normally like to do because I don't want to analyze if it's doing well it's doing well and if it's not then it's not but why I started it was just for me initially as a place to share but also to help people and I remember just telling the sneak like damn I you know not I guess not many people resonated with this and he's like well that's not why you're doing it though that's not Mm -hmm. why you started this like started to put yourself out there you were doing it because you enjoyed it because you were talking to people and having meaningful conversations so even if only two people comment or kind of message me and say great job that's enough even if it's just you my best friend and somebody else that's enough so it's like when it's genuine just know that your 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 opinion is really all that matters like that's something that I'm learning I'm getting better at but it's still a, a daily practice you have to like look at yourself in the mirror and, and just be confident in, in in what you're doing you know and obviously owning up to your mistakes but I'm just trying to say whatever you put out there work related not work related you got to be your your number one fan because if if you're constantly just afraid of they're putting that power in other people's hands you're always going to be fidgety you're always going to have a quiet voice you're never going to mm-hmm. you're never going to just establish that self-confidence I don't know I have yet to meet somebody who is 100% self-confident so does that exist <laughs> but I mean to to your point there's also I feel like another half of that coin too where yes you should always prioritize yourself and and you know put yourself on a certain standard um but something that really resonated with me was once I made this like post on Slack and it got no attention or whatever, no comments. And um, my manager sent me this article, (laughs) which could be, I guess, insulting to some people, but it really resonated with me. Like it, the article was literally about how nobody cares. Like, (laughs) yeah, yeah, it's true. Nobody cares. Yeah, and and it was literally just this whole page of somebody writing like, I know you think that, you know, you make these 
it was I, I believe it was about Twitter. It was like somebody was talking about how um how insecure people can be when they post on Twitter and and like you know the whole world can see and things like that. And so he was like, you know, you think that these tweets are a big deal, but nobody cares. And so you should post as if nobody cares because mm-hmm. nobody does care. Like nobody's going to sit there and be like, "Oh, well, what did she post today?" And if they do, like that's a problem with them, you know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that says nothing oh. about you. And so it was and I was just reading this article laughing because he just my own manager just sent me an article about how <laughs> somebody literally is saying nobody cares. <laughs> and that was like the tipping point for me. I'm like, "Sonata, nobody cares." And sometimes like even today today actually I I was writing this like super short post but I read it like six times and it it like it's super straightforward there's not much I can change but I just kept reading it and I'm like bro nobody cares just just click send (laughs) and done because it's true nobody cares like you should of course always put yourself you know up top prioritize everything like that but don't ever you know not post or share an opinion or you know say something just because you think somebody's gonna sit there rereading your comment thinking oh what is she thinking no they're literally gonna skim over your comment only because they want to comment after and share their own opinion like Mm -hmm. let's be real nobody's gonna sit there with popcorn thinking oh what is this girl saying like no yeah for yeah that is so true and and the way you it's like the best way to apply that to your life is to sit in that discomfort because it's so weird all the time right it's like oh who cares about your your social media or your posts that you stare at for an hour before you send off and and we know that nobody cares and yet we say it and we don't practice it and the only way to get through it is to go through it yeah um and that's why that's why it's the best thing to go out of your comfort zone it's the best thing to do the opposite of what you want to do stop reading your your you know paragraph six times go and send it out and make a mistake i have sent so many typos um i have mistakenly miswritten somebody's title who was a doctor and i just put them as miss and i caused utter mayhem because of that because it was like this company-wide newsletter but I sat in that discomfort. I'm like, okay, this was not right. Did I mean to do it on purpose? No. But like the that's those are the moments that you learn the most. The moments where you make the mistakes, the moments where you you know, you find yourself overanalyzing your your ideas like before you share them or you know, on social media when you're posting an opinion or even when you're about to speak to a friend and you feel that discomfort. Like all of those times when we have had uncomfortable conversations that feeling in my stomach where it's so uncomfortable, that's what I have to feel and, and experience and go through it in order to, to, to learn, to, to just to learn. Like you have to sit in that discomfort and experience it instead of constantly repeating what you've always been doing. Cause I don't want after this call to just kind of go back to let's be fidgety. Let's keep on rereading our, uh, or, you know, re- rereading what we've written, keep on doubting ourselves be uncomfortable. Everybody keeps shying away from that. Uh, listening to someone's podcast isn't meant to just, you know, I'm not just here to here to talk about let's be happy 24/7. The only way we're going to ever grow and ever and ever just 
just grow. I mean, that's that's really it. Is 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 if we are uncomfortable and we experience weird feelings that we don't like, maybe we get sad a little bit. It's in those moments where we need ourselves the most instead of what we what we constantly do, which is uh, we're avoiding the problem and we just keep on repeating those same behaviors. So exactly, growth happens outside of the comfort zone. So the more uh, discomfort you feel, especially in a workplace, that likely means you're growing. Okay. And don't like succumb to it. Don't you know being all fluffy and feeling good twenty four seven means you're being stagnant. You're in the same place, uh, which is also okay if that's what you want, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I f- uh, well, I, I guess because you're my uh, my bestie, I feel like I could talk. I just I'm literally laid here on, in bed. I'm like I can just talk and talk and talk. But um, I'm going to, you know. Maybe wrap it up here, and and I think we we said a lot. But before we do, maybe let's end it off on some advice or something to even to our younger selves, or even to to people who are listening who are you know going through the same things. Whoever you kind of want to picture, you're saying this advice to. But what? How, how should we wrap this up? And well, what advice you know should or do you want to give? Mm, that's a good question uh i would say don't diminish yourself just because somebody else is older has more experience or whatever the case may be you might be younger you might be less experienced whatever but you do bring something to the table and if they didn't want you and your opinion at that table then you would have not been there uh but the reason you are there is because it is valued and so provide that value give that opinion and the more you don't like key to anything the more you shy away the more you avoid something uh the less you're going to do it and the more uncomfortable you're going to be doing it so continue posting continue giving the opinion continue talking even when it just like you do not want to click that send button you're crippled and your brain is telling you no 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 ignore it ignore that voice you have to you have to push through it um, and allow yourself to make mistakes. Your mistakes aren't, you shouldn't take it personally. It's not like you're dumb. It's not like you're inexperienced or whatever else your brain calls you. It's just that you did not have the context. That's it. And the more you build that context, the more you gain experience, the more confident you're going to be with your opinion. So continue gathering that context continue talking to you know your friends and colleagues build that support system and just go for it because in 2040 years you don't want to sit there thinking well you know i shied from this experience i sat quiet and now i'm in the same place that i was 20 30 years ago you want to even if you don't get to that goal let's say which likely won't happen you at least can say i was there i showed up i gave my all I shared all my opinions. I voiced every single concern I've ever had. And I gave 100%. So don't don't cheat yourself just because your brain is telling you terrible things. Just whether you need to seek help, whether you need to support, whether you need to write it down and reframe it, you know, get whatever you need to do, do whatever you need to do, but do it. That's so true. Yeah. And kind of adding to what you just said too, it's um, 
your your feelings aren't, aren't facts so it's important not to take all of that all of you know all, all of the self-doubt that you're thinking and just succumb to it like you were saying you just have to push through it and that's really great advice for I think really anybody in the, in the workforce or even in school um, even in your personal life just it's just something that we have to push through I think a lot of with work too oh, I feel like I'm gonna keep talking <laughs> I can't stop. I was just going to say it's it's also we're very ego driven too where it's we really just yes. base our sense of self-esteem or our self self-importance which is what ego is based on you know how our 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 workplace sees us. So that's why it's like when we make a mistake we can't just make a mistake and move on. The reason why we keep holding on to it is because we're thinking about how that other person is now going to see us. Now Exactly our reputation is less shiny, less pristine because of, of that. Who cares what they think? Like it, they could think you're the best. They could think you're the worst. Just, you have to go through life, not being so ego driven, let that down. You make a mistake, drop that you let ego. it go. Sorry. Drop that ego. Yeah. Drop that ego. Like a mic, like you need to just let it go. And that was something I wanted to add because yeah <laughs> I just wanted to add that um I swear this episode is almost going to be two hours um <laughs> so I guess I'll say yeah thank you for you know if anyone's made it this far but um I really loved chatting with you and I'm so happy we did it. and I'm so honored mm. to have you on because we will no, forever I'm have honored. this in memory yes I um I'm so happy to be here and I'm seriously so honored thank you so much for even considering me and inviting me don't hey um, that's the imposter feelings creeping in don't ever say that <laughs> okay no i take it back <laughs> we spent okay don't tell me we spent an hour and ten speaking <laughs> on this just for you to rub her back like what are you saying no 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 i i am honored though no but seriously like this was really nice to talk about i, I really loved your insight thank you and i loved everything you shared because it's 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 real like what you're feeling is real what I'm feeling is real and that's what makes that's, that's the best way to work through is by talking about it and also realizing that we're not alone and it can yeah. be really isolating when it, we're just seeing everybody's highlight reels and especially LinkedIn man can LinkedIn be a little bit feisty like I don't oh. need to constantly see everyone like it's just let's just simmer but um it, I, anyway I, I was just gonna say something else like that. <laughs> I need to go so no I'm kidding um Anyway, yeah, so thank you so much. I, I, I love you and um yeah I'm, I love you. I'm really happy that you chatted with me and we'll I'm sure we'll talk soon. It's not like we don't talk every day, so probably text you right now. <laughs> I know yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, well thank you so much. Peace oh, thank you. All right. Bye. All right. Bye.